Howdy. This is Too Busy for Crypto. This podcast is for fans of cryptocurrency who want to increase their financial literacy and cryptocurrency literacy. This episode is to promote financial literacy concerning interest rates and the general economy. I will discuss some dry macroeconomics, then I will add some opinion and perspective into the facts. None of this is financial advice. This is education. Let's begin. Interest rates affect everyone in the modern economy to some extent. Some financial products have fixed interest rates, but most interest rates are variable because the rate that underlies all rates is itself variable. In the United States, the underlying interest rate is the Fed funds rate set by the Federal Reserve. This rate is set in the United States, but it affects the world. Changes in rates affect how much a variable rate adjusts for a business loan or home mortgage or car loan or credit card. In other words, it affects whether or not you keep your job, your business, your home, your car. Rates affect your rent because your landlord has to make mortgage payments, even if your landlord is a giant company. Most businesses spend and run on borrowed capital rather than with money they own outright. Rates affect how much yield you can make from a savings account, a certificate of deposit, a treasury bond, a bond fund, a money market fund, a stock, an ETF, etc. One reason why people can easily lose sight of how interest rates are affecting their lives is because if the rates stay about the same for a while, people adapt their outlook to gradually see a new situation as normal. We are also less likely to notice the macroeconomic effects of interest rates going down versus interest rates going up. Rates going down lead an economy that appears to be booming because it is fueled by cheap debt. Rates going up lead to an economy that appears confused or in recession as those same debt-fueled participants are scrambling for cash to make payments. The more financialized a person's life is, the more they will notice. Children are not likely to notice or understand interest rates. High school grads going to college may get student loans or a credit card. Some may care about the interest rate, but few will comprehend its long-term effects, because young adults have less experience and have grown up without any financial education. Adults in a financially defensive position, may only notice the effects of interest rates on their personal situations. Adults in a financially growing position are more likely to notice the effects of rates because they are not spending time thinking of survival. The one key effect of interest rates is on the cost of doing business. Specifically, rates affect the cost of capital. 
capital refers to liquid assets like cash that can be spent quickly. Quickly may mean a day or week or month, depending on the context. For many businesses, working capital comes from loans, and loans carry interest. That means a business is paying interest for the right to have money that they have not earned yet in order to fund daily business. A loan may be to a single holder, like a bank, or a loan may be crowdsourced in the form of a corporate bond. Loans may be secured by physical assets like property, or the loans may be unsecured and based on promises or reputation. Some unsecured loans and bonds are called commercial paper. Unsecured debt is given a lower credit rating versus secured debt. Unsecured debt pays higher yield than secured debt in order to offset the risk of default. Default means being at fault for failing to live up to your end of a contract. The number one thing that kills most businesses is insufficient cash flow. Cash flow can fail many ways unrelated to interest rates. Sufficient cash flow means that when a bill comes due, the business has cash in their account and they can pay the bill immediately. The business cannot tell the creditor that they are waiting on payment for orders. The business and creditor will have already agreed to terms for payment. If the business does not pay and the creditor is forced to take the matter to court, then the business may face bankruptcy. Bankruptcy is a legal process for a deadbeat debtor to attempt to let creditors recuperate some of the loss that they are owed. The creditors may still suffer a loss unless the business has illiquid assets that can be forcibly converted to liquid assets to pay the bills through the bankruptcy process. A business may not survive this process. People face a similar situation with personal finance. Consider all businesses in the economy. This is the macroeconomic outlook. When interest rates go up, the cost of capital goes up for every business that has variable rate debt or is seeking new debt. Many, if not most, businesses are directly affected by interest rates, but it only takes a minority of affected businesses to spread indirect effects to otherwise profitable and cash flow positive businesses. Maybe the hardware store doesn't have a loan, but if the five-gallon bucket maker has to pay more interest, then the price of the buckets ultimately increases for the consumer who buys the bucket at the hardware store. If enough products in the store increase in price, then customers may stop coming to the store as often. A similar principle applies to complex financial products like mortgage-backed securities. If enough mortgages in the group go into default, then the whole security can fail to pay the holders, and holders will sell it at a loss to avoid ending up with nothing. Sometimes, the direction that interest rates change is more important than the starting point. That may be the case if the starting points are of a similar scale, like 
3 versus 5% or 13 versus 17%. An economy at 5% where interest rates start dropping at half a percent per year is an economy that is relaxing. In contrast, if the economy starts at 3% and interest rates increase at half a percent per year, then that economy is tensing up. Interest rates are a double-edged sword. One edge is cost of capital. The other edge is return on capital. One edge may defend you and one edge may injure you. When interest rates are low, capital is less costly and interest-based returns are low. When interest rates are high, capital is costly and interest-based returns are high. It helps if you know when either environment is likely to help or hinder you. If you own or work for a business, the business may have strong financials when interest rates are low, but weak financials when interest rates are high. If you own a mutual fund that is invested in bonds or loans, you may find higher yields when interest rates are high and low or negative yields if interest rates do not beat inflation. Again, direction matters. If I own bonds, when interest rates are rising, my yield is increasing at the same time as the bond value is decreasing. If I own shares in a bond fund, then the share price drops as the yield increases. If rates decrease, then yield will decrease but price will increase. It is an inverse relationship, like a seesaw. Despite the seesaw effect, bonds are similar to other assets in the sense that it is most profitable to buy at a low price and sell at a high price. The yield shrinks as the bond price goes up, but if you buy at the low point, you get the higher yield until the price rises. Whether or not the yield itself is worth anything is dependent on many factors which I may discuss in another episode. Looking at the economy with respect to the financial health of businesses, the direction that interest rates move is a clear-cut situation. When businesses think interest rates are low, they tend to take out more loans. Then, when interest rates move higher, those businesses with variable interest rates start having to pay larger interest payments. Businesses with bullet loans or bonds, where none of the principal is paid until the end of the loan, will pay even more interest. So-called growth companies that are entirely funded by debt and are not profitable see their cash reserves get wiped out by rising interest rates. So-called growth companies can only grow in a low or stable interest rate environment. Rising rates cause a cascade of business implosions, starting with the companies with the most exposure to interest rate risk. The term interest rate risk is a common term thrown around in finance as one of the many forms of financial risk. 
what I have described about the reaction of bonds and loans to interest rates is the foundation of this type of risk. Higher interest rates can benefit those who are loaning out money. Banks are obvious beneficiaries of higher interest rates. If a sudden rise in interest rates does not implode their loan portfolio. Banks can get crushed if their loans and financial products are impacted by a rise in defaults by people and businesses. If you set this major complication aside, banks can benefit from higher interest rates because they can profit from a spread in rates of different loan quality or from the spread created when loans are bundled into a financial product. Bundled products like mortgage-backed securities and collateralized debt obligations profit off of the premise that if you bundle risky loans or bonds together, then the average risk of the bundle goes down. As we learned from 2008, once enough components of the bundle fail, then the whole bundle becomes worthless, which amplifies the loss. These losses are further magnified by the fact that the products often rely on each other like a gambler betting on another gambler betting on another gambler. This type of amplification of loss through derivative bets also became very apparent in 2008. Rest assured, though, that the people who run the financial system have made sure this problem will only get worse and will never improve because those people benefit from selective government bailouts that they can administer to themselves to refund their own losses while letting their competition implode. If we pretend that that intentional element of bank risk does not exist, we can look at banks as beneficiaries of higher interest rate environments. Banks are more interested in the spread between market interest rates than they are the exact level of the rates. In a low interest rate environment where the Fed funds rate is half a percent, the bank may be able to profit from spreads of a quarter percent to one percent on top of the Fed funds rate for products X and Y. In a higher rate environment, like a five percent Fed funds rate, maybe the spread widens to one to four percent on top of the five percent for products X and Y. Where a loan or bond interest rate falls in the spread depends on how the bank rates the relative risk. These numbers are conceptual and are not based on anything. Commercial banks, investment banks, brokerages, and market makers are all bookies to some extent. Bookies are bookmakers of a gambling accounting book. Bookies profit off of spreads between two sides of a transaction. They don't care what the numbers are as long as the spread is profitable enough that they can't lose money by working as the middleman. One should always be aware that a middleman thinks of being a middleman before they ever think about you. They are just managing their own book. Anyone who loans money can profit from higher interest rates. When anyone loans money, they get income from interest. Higher interest payments means higher income. 
This does not take into account the other factors like the interest rate environment or inflation. I am speaking of the effect on a single loan. Banks can make a loan. Individuals can make a loan. Banks and individuals can both buy bonds, which is actually making part of a loan. If an individual buys a bond from a bank or from the U.S. Treasury, they are loaning money in return for a proportional share of interest payments. The bond purchaser locks in a yield that is related to the current interest rate. However, people or businesses who buy loans regularly do not just sit around waiting for the best interest rate. Money flows where it is treated best. Now, a partial summary before I add more opinion and perspective. There are groups that profit off of low or declining interest rates. There are groups that profit off of high or rising interest rates. There are groups that profit off of the spread of available interest rates on the market. There are groups that profit during one kind of interest rate environment and groups that profit off of any interest rate environment. More people and businesses take on interest rate risk when rates are low or declining. More people and businesses avoid interest rate risk or take losses when rates are high or rising. High interest rates impede the consumption economy but encourage saving, if inflation is not greater than interest rates. Low interest rates speed up the consumption economy and decrease the savings rate. Now for some facts with more opinion and perspective mixed in. The Federal Reserve System is a private cartel of banks that includes government oversight as a superficial formality. The Federal Reserve appears to be a semi-decentralized system of 12 branches, although this is a show. The Federal Reserve says it operates according to a doctrine based on the Phillips Curve. The Phillips Curve describes a chart that plots inflation versus unemployment such that the data points make dots that connect into a line curve that shows a relationship of inverse correlation. Inverse correlation is like a seesaw. One side rises when the other falls. The Federal Reserve says its mandate is to influence the economy so that both inflation and unemployment are low. Based on their own Phillips Curve ideology, this is a trade-off, and therefore the goal is an aspirational fantasy. The data that is used to say what is inflation and what is unemployment is manipulated to fit the narrative of the moment, but this is irrelevant for the interest rate discussion. The Federal Reserve says it has two controls to influence the balance of inflation and unemployment. Control 1 is by changing the supply of dollars. 99% of the time, the choice of supply change is to increase the dollar supply which is called monetary inflation. The Fed calls monetary inflation 
expansionary monetary policy because they purposely misuse the word inflation to mean price inflation, which is a result of the monetary inflation they help create. Control 2 is by changing the Fed funds rate, which is the interest rate that large banks pay or receive to borrow or store dollars at the Federal Reserve. Control 2, the Fed funds rate, is supposed to be the lowest interest rate in the U.S. at any given moment in time. Market-based interest rates are usually built on top of that rate, to put it in the most simplified terms. However, at times of recession and market distortions, like in 2001, 2008, and 2023, the Fed funds rate can be higher than some interest rates in the market. When the Federal Reserve says inflation is too high and unemployment is too low, then they threaten to raise the Fed funds rate. If the market does not raise interest rates based on the threats, then the Fed raises the Fed funds rate. In theory, the market will adjust the myriad of interest rates upward to maintain a spread of rates above the Fed funds rate. The Fed funds rate is supposed to be like the best bulk price deal for money, and it is only available to large member banks in the Federal Reserve system. When the Federal Reserve raises interest rates, the Fed's objective is to financially stress market participants to the point that the market sees more loan defaults and layoffs. The Fed's policy indicates that the only way to stop high price inflation is to crush economic activity by increasing the cost of capital, which results in slowing down consumption and increasing unemployment. The Fed promotes the premise that manic buyers and greedy sellers are to blame for high prices, rather than the Federal Reserve, who is constantly flooding the market with new dollars. The Federal Reserve is basically a massive counterfeiting operation that imposes an unelected tax on all current dollars by printing new dollars that steal value from existing dollars. To put it simply, monetary inflation is theft. It is theft because it is taking value without informed consent. Now I will summarize what is relevant to interest rates. Interest rates usually go up in response to the Federal Reserve raising the Fed funds rate. This is the rate that the Fed charges or offers large member banks to loan or deposit digital cash in the Fed's account. Fed policy is to raise rates when price inflation is high and unemployment is low. The Fed expects that raising its rates will influence market interest rates to rise also. When market interest rates rise, that results in an increase in the cost of capital, which is the cost of borrowing money to operate, which is the foundation of modern economic activity. 
when the cost of capital rises, then people and businesses start being unable to make payments on variable interest rates for borrowed money. Also, debt instruments like bonds and loans with lower interest rates become worth less, and those get sold at a loss to buy new bonds and loans. Turbulence in the economy increases and overall economic activity slows. The Phillips curve ideology used by the Federal Reserve hopes that when the economy crashes, that price inflation will continue to increase at a lesser rate and that unemployment will rise due to businesses being forced to lay off workers that they can no longer pay. If this subject of interest rates is something you want to follow on your own, then you need to start asking some questions that will lead to understanding more layers of the economy. I will list some questions to consider. 1. Is the Fed balance sheet increasing? 2. Is the supply of dollars increasing? 3. Is price inflation increasing? 4. Is the purchasing power of my dollars decreasing? 5. What are rates like for home mortgages and commercial mortgages? 6. What is happening to the market supply of personal and commercial real estate? 7. What are credit card interest rates like? 8. What are auto loan rates like for new and used cars? 9. What do the 2-year and 10-year Treasury bond yields say about inflation and interest rate expectations for now versus years later? 10. What is the spread between a AAA-rated U.S. 10-year Treasury bond yield fund and a single B-rated high-yield corporate junk bond fund. 11. What is the rate of loan defaults and who is defaulting? 12. Are companies laying off people? 13. What type of companies are laying off people? 14. Am I getting paid more to compensate my loss of purchasing power? 15. Is my property value increasing even though me and my neighbors have made no improvements? 16. Is the price of food and or fuel increasing? 17. Are housing rent prices increasing faster than housing purchase prices? 18. Do the government-published numbers and mainstream media numbers for inflation and unemployment match what I think I am seeing in the market? 19. What is the Federal Reserve saying it is going to do versus what is it actually doing? 20. What is the market and mainstream media saying the Fed should do versus what is the Fed actually doing? 21. What are central banks doing in more westernized economies like the UK, Germany, and Japan? 22. What are central banks doing in less westernized economies like Brazil, Russia, India, and China? That concludes this discussion about the economy and interest rates. 
I hope my discussion of this topic helps you to better understand or articulate some of these ideas. Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your day.